Welcome to Tech This Way. Thank you for that. Really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, no worries, man. Let me just make sure this Very thing... Very big yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a pain, right? You have to move and all that transactions. Yeah, I understand a lot of banks are actually like shutting down a lot of crypto business because mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of issues regarding because uh, some people can move money there like millions without even being know who they are and they can just, like, you know, money laundering and all that. <laughs> yeah. And for That's us, true. we do real estate payments, you know, so it, it's pretty known who owns the property and, you know, it's really hard to do uh, that kind of, you know, sketchy activity i mean when you buy a property you know when you when you move money internationally they lay they ask for your ids they ask for all this information right mm. but when you buy property the when you buy property they ask for even more they ask for your job your you know blood type i don't know they ask the 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 kyc is even more um uh, strict strict yeah compared mm. to uh just moving money around because you're buying a property yeah anyway yeah, yeah, we can get a little bit more into that. But anyway, thanks for, for getting on the call. Sure. Um, so I'm not sure if you've seen some of the past recordings, but basically, you know, it's just a, rec- it's, it's just a casual long chat uh, okay. to find out more about Ray Rafondo, you know? Oh, <laughs> um, no, not too much and, to and find out. <laughs> and how it all began and, you know, uh, and all that. So sure, sure. do go as far back as you want. You know, so how did it all start for you? Oh, it was uh, for for quick work. Well, well, I did have some, uh, I did have some um, entrepreneurship experience before um, when I was a teenager, right? I did that, and then also when I was in college. You know, go into um, that. Go into that. What did you do? Well, I was selling. Uh, well, I, I I joined my parents' company. It's called mm-hmm. Nature's Choice. So they they they're part of this company, and then we were opening offices in Cebu and then Davao in the Philippines, and we were we're hiring uh, distributors, etc. So we were it's, it's, we're manufacturing like food supplements and all that. We were selling it uh, to the markets, and so um, we were doing that. So we were expanding, and uh, yeah, so I was involved in that. I was 15 years old, 16 years old. <laughs> so wow. I was like already speaking on stage, and some some from your parents, huh? I was. I was still, yes, I was still in high school. So it was fun for me to like travel around the Philippines and do that kind of stuff. And, you know, like, but the, the company didn't, uh, eventually a few years later, the company didn't do so well. So it shut down. Uh, so Sorry, you said then, you, uh, you were talking on stage. What was that about? Yeah, like, you know, we do a presentation, sales, et cetera. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. And uh, that didn't work out. The company uh, you know, eventually filed bankruptcy. And uh, uh, we ended up moving to the US uh, when I was 18. Mm. And uh, I went to college in the U.S. Uh, okay. to the U.S. And then uh, I worked also worked there while I was in college. And also where in, where in the US. U.S. did you go? Uh, 2000, 99, 2000, around that time. Yeah. Okay. So um, 98, sorry, 1998. Yeah, mm. I remember now. <laughs> so we went there, and then um, while I was in college, I started my own money transfer online because because back then in the late 90s, Silicon Valley was like you know hottest thing right uh the dot-com boom and i was thinking what what, the, what online business can i set up and start right and i was thinking about oh, online money transfer it doesn't exist yet it's 
Western Union, you have to physically go to Western Union. So I started an online money transfer business without a license, without co-founders, without, without co-founders, without a license, without registering, without investors. It's just all me. I, ha I had a $50,000 savings. I used it all up to, to do that. And I did, I did launch it. What was the process? I mean, how did it work? Well, people can just send money online using credit card or their bank account uh, to the Philippines. Yeah. So you, you, you're the agent for money going which direction? Well, we partner with a bank in the Philippines called BPI, Bank of the Philippine Islands. So we partner with them and then they, uh, they handle the disbursement. We sign a contract and I had someone do the website. So I spent my $50,000 savings into that. You know, I was like 21, 22. <laughs> I spent all my savings there. Because uh, I was also working while in college, so I was able to save up some money. Uh, so, what I wanted to do was basically create something that can make money while I was going to school. Something I can just leave alone. Like, oh, after I set everything up, I just leave it alone and start making its own money. I didn't realize I have to have customer service. I didn't realize I have to have, you know, business development and marketing and sales. And we, when we were getting all these inquiries about, you know, failed transactions and disputes and and, and I, oh, I ended up answering all these emails. I ended up working more because my idea was not to work. I don't want to work while going to college. So I created this website where I can earn revenue for me while, not, while I'm going to college. I don't have to work, right? I don't want to work at McDonald's or going to university, right? <laughs> so, but I, I ended up working more than if I would just work at McDonald's four hours a day because of the work part. I didn't realize, I was so naive, I didn't realize that there's a lot of work involved in this kind of business. And plus I didn't have a license. I got a, I got a letter from the California Department of Finance saying, hey, you're operating a money transfer service without a license. Uh, <laughs> so I shut it down. No, but I'm, I'm curious on your, on your thought process of, hey, you know what? I need to earn some money. So let's look around. How, how, did, how did somebody like a 20, 21 year old over there figure out, hmm, this is something you could do? Well, I, I, I was in Silicon Valley. I'm not, I was in Mountain View, Sunnyvale. So I was seeing everything was being done. Everything is becoming online. Like even bicycle shops are becoming online. You know, Amazon was getting big. eBay was getting, everything is going online. So what else can we do online that, you know, like the people do right now? What other big industries are out there? Then you can move online and money transfer was the first thing that came to mind because it's something that I understand because a lot of Filipinos use it. Right. So, um, and then nobody else was doing it at the time, 2003, 2002, right. Zoom came out in 2004. Right. But they're, they're heavily funded. They're from a PayPal co-founder. They got millions of dollars in funding from the beginning. So that's different. You know, like, unlike me, it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> but you didn't, but it's interesting how that, that entrepreneurial, mindset was there and not hey i'm going to get a good degree um, and then go uh, you know go get a job oh yeah yeah uh always been like that um i never like working for somebody else you know it's like i think i had some other i started a coffee shop too before like a coffee coffee house and i franchised it so i ran it when i was in my late teens also so uh, i had that experience so it, it wasn't a tech company but um, I think once you become an entrepreneur once and then you go back to the workforce, um, you're already damaged. You know, you have, you start thinking about the next thing, like, what am I going to do to get out of here? You know, <laughs> your mind is always, that's why it's, it's amazing. My boss at land research, when I moved and I started working there, it's a big Silicon Valley company. I had this cubicle, my, my cubicle was pretty big, right? 
and all my coworkers to have their their cubicles have pictures of their dog, pictures of their family in there, right? So mm -hmm. pictures of every like 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 it's they remind them of home. So when they're there, they they feel at home, right? And then my boss goes to my cubicle. I've been working there for a couple of years. My boss would go to my cubicle. There's no display of family or home or dog or anything that would indicate that uh, I'm gonna stay there for a long time. <laughs> It's just my laptop and me. There's no display. There's no artwork. There's no painting. Nothing in my cubicle. They can't see anything. That so he he was suspicious. Like, is he really planning to sit here that long? And probably he, yes. That that thing gave it. It was a game. He was the best boss I've ever had. By the way. Oh, so uh, let's, let's so, jump back a little bit before you got a job. So you were in college. So you started your your unlicensed money transfer. Then what happened? Yeah. Well, I shut it down. Right. I was still in college at the time because mm. I didn't have a license. So. Uh, I ended up working again while I was in school because <laughs> okay. I lost all my money. <laughs> and I, when I graduated, then I worked. I worked in the Silicon Valley. I was. I worked in finance for a few years. Yeah. Okay. What was it a, with a bank or a, another tech company? Or? Uh, it's a tech. It's a big tech company in Silicon Valley. I see. It's called Lamb Research. Yeah, semiconductor. They do that. Yeah. Okay. I also did taxes. You know, freelancing taxes. Right. Uh, yeah. Filing taxes for small businesses, individuals, and yeah, I did that too. So it was a good corporate life for a couple of years. Then what happened? Well, I, well, I, I you know, I, I, I was already plotting. <laughs> While I was working there during my free time, I was already writing a business plan, right? Mm. So I was already planning to leave from the day one. Right. That's why my boss kind of realized that when he didn't see any display of my pictures there, a picture of my dog or my grandma, whatever, <laughs> nothing there that reminds mm. me of home because yeah, you know, I never really planned. You're not getting too attached with 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 the with the work, huh? Yeah, no, no. I I always plan to get out of there soon. So I, every every after work, I was working on something else. Mm. Sometimes I was doing it during work time because we have a lot. Sometimes we finish our work fast and we have free time. I ended up doing work for my other idea. <laughs> so kind of a yeah. <laughs> so then well, some people are watching YouTube. They're on Facebook, right? So same thing. Right, they're killing time in the office, right? And might as well spend the time working on my thing, right? Yeah. So what? So what were the things that you were you were working on at the same time then? Well, this mm. <laughs> pretty much. Mm. Well, the, the the early versions of Quickwire. Well, that was 2013, 2014. Yeah, that was the earlier versions of it. So I guess uh, when, you, I, I, when you shut down your unlicensed one, so but the idea caught on. I mean, you got it stuck. Yes. With it. Mm. Yes. Yes. It it was there. And then, and then when I, when I revived it, it a few years later, it was already a payroll system. So it was a payroll system first before it became a uh, real estate uh, enterprise payments. Oh, so how, how did how did that evolve? Do share that. Well, uh, no, no, nobody nobody would use us as a payroll system, right? Nobody would. It's for freelancers because there were any existing competition. So and they're well known, they're well funded. So who is we at that time? Uh, Odess, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Elance, those, those companies, yeah. They're already around, so there, there was no point in, in, in competing with it. You know, uh, freelancer.com. No, no, what I mean, have built it. your company itself, who was, who was involved with you at the time? Oh, my, my ex-co-founders, uh, Scott and then Jason. Mm. That was our original idea, original business. Okay, okay. So then there was a sort of a bunch of you. You set up your the original one. Then what happened after that? Well, we we tried to launch it. We tried to raise money for it and all that, but it failed. 
it, it ended up being a failure. And then when my co-founders left, I had to restart again. And then this was when this, I had my new co-founders, which were interns at the time, which we, they were like 19, 20 year old interns that were working with us in my older, my older co-founders. Mm-hmm. And when my, my, my original co-founders left, I was like, so, so what do we do now? Do we keep going or we shut it down? He said, no, let's keep going. Okay, <laughs> kept going. You know, then six years later, here we are, you know? Mm. So you were you were still based in the U.S. then? No, I was already based here. I was already based here. When with when my co- I was in the U.S. for a year doing it, and then uh, about a you know then it came here uh, two thousand four six years ago came here six years ago, mm. and then we did it. Yeah. So how was the how was the journey back to um, Philippines? Pardon, sorry, because my my U.S. co-founders came with me from the from the U.S. to the Philippines, and they stayed here for you know a few months. Mm. And uh, one day they thought that, uh, you know, there's nothing happening in the company and all that and stuff. And <laughs> mm. So you took it up. So how was the, so how was the experience then at the, the, the early days of uh, QuickWire? Well, there was a lot. We didn't have any customers. We didn't have any. We just had a presentation deck. We didn't even know what product we're launching, right? So it's like missing. It's more like, because my co-founders, they're like, um, they want to do a lot of research first before they go into something. I do minimal research and then I'm more of a trial and error guy. Hmm. They, they're like, they're, they're like, they're more like they want to do a lot of research and, you know, talking to a lot of people. And, um, um, I'm like more like, uh, you know, let's try this out. And then if it doesn't work, then try something else. <laughs> so, so I, I, I tend to move faster than they do. They're hmm. pretty indecisive. So uh, that actually was a cause of a lot of uh, conflict, right? Hmm. Uh, disagreements on what direction to take because you can't get anything done if you keep, mm. you know, being indecisive. You just have to just do it and try it out. <laughs> so with your surveys in- don't surveys don't work. Mm. Surveys don't work. You know, like back in 1997, I think 96, they, they did a survey of Americans, right? Would you use your credit card online? That's the serve. That's a question in the survey. Would you use your credit card online? This was in the 90s. There was a lot of credit card fraud at the time. Yeah. And 98% of them said, no, we'll never use your credit card online. And that yeah. was a survey that was made by Amazon or eBay, I think. Right. So they're, they're trying to figure out whether a credit card payment on e-commerce can work, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, today, all of the transactions on e-commerce are done on credit card, right? So, so it, it's like... Uh, People don't know how they're going to behave until it's there. They're in front of it rather than just answering a survey. Right? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, right? So how do, you, how do you reconcile that with, with all this, uh, you know, trying to understand the customer? And, and, you know, that, those well, you can do minimum way, minimum, way, minimum research, minimum survey can, can help. It will give you some information. But um, I think the best surveys are the ones where you make the customers act on your product, like whether to purchase it or to get it or to buy it, especially to pay for it, um, uh, or launch a certain a product with minimal features and you know like have them pay for it if they really want it. Mm. So that's pretty much uh, I w- what I would say is the best uh, the best way to uh, gather information whether you can sell it or not. So let's go back to how you applied that to Quickwire itself. Then, so at the start, right, you and your interns said, "Let's do it." So, so what did you guys do? Yeah. So we, we, we first got a client, small client, uh, active group, it's a developer, which was introduced to us by another uh, Singapore investor. 
uh, not our investor, but just a mentor. Um, and then we uh, were able to close the deal. And Jesse, my answer. But what was your product at that time? What was your service? Huh? Well, we were trying to do payments, international payments also. So, mm -hmm. okay. uh, so we, we already have the license, we already have the bank partners, we just need a customer. <laughs> so once we got that first client, it was just three of us, me, Irvin, and Jesse. Irvin is our tech guy. He's still a student, at, he's still a computer science student at Mapua University. <laughs> and I told him, you're the only resource. So he's the one who integrated the API of, of, of this gateway to the website of, uh, of our client. He was able to do it on his own without the team, just by himself. So pretty much he, he launched our first product. We did our first transactions. That was 2014, 2015, right? 2015, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a paying customer now because of what he did, you know, as an intern. Sorry, so what was, the, what was the model of the business? Well, we were collecting payments for real estate already at the time. It's a, it's a real estate developer. But for, uh, for the customers the, of, the, the, of the developer. Yes, yes. Uh, but the developer, but, but our business was not just focused on real estate. We were doing BPOs. We were doing uh, other kinds of businesses that collect money from abroad. So it wasn't just one, one, one company, one type of company. It wasn't just one industry. Hmm. So how did you fall into that? Again, is, is it your approach of, hey, you know what, here's an opportunity. Let's just try it. And then suddenly you just kind of grow from there. Yeah, we were, there's a lot of, you know, uh, here's the, the, the difficulty with, with uh, large, because we realize this, every payments company out there tries to become the payments for everything, right? Like, like you know, like Dragon Pay, and, you know, like Paynamics, they try to become the payments for everything, like uh, e-commerce, you know, government payments, et cetera, right? And the way we differentiate is why won't we just focus on large enterprises and international payments? Just specialize on that. Forget everything else. Let's not do e-commerce. There's a lot of fraud there. There's a lot of disputes and chargebacks. Let's focus on large enterprises and, and cross-border transactions. What, what made that unique is really, you cannot really easily use an API-based payment system on large companies, right? Like PayPal and Stripe, they're API-based, right? Hmm. Uh, and so are most payments companies. They have an API. You, you, have a, you have a website online. You have a Facebook page. You have an e-commerce site. You can use the API to get into your shopping cart, no problem, right? But if you're a large company, like let's say a bank or a real estate developer, you're using SAP, you're using Oracle. You can't just plug in an API. You need modules for that. It gets, it gets more complicated. So we classify this now as what I would say complex payments hmm. because the, the, the requirement, especially if it's a recurring subscription-based payments with penalties, et cetera, that mortgages, insurance payment, that kind of stuff, they, they fall into a category of complex payments. And we realize there's four types. There's like uh, real estate is big, uh, medical payments, medical billing, tuition payments, right? Uh, bank, bank loans. So these, these all fall into a category. And we realize if we specialize in, in, in complex payments and international payments, we will differentiate ourselves even further compared to any normal payments company who try to become the payments for everything. Right. So we just, we don't even bother to capture small merchants and you know, we just try to get the big ones. The mm. challenge of that, of course, is in the very beginning, how do you get your first big client, right? We were knocking on doors of these developers and banks, right? Uh, uh, cold calling them, right? And trying to get to meetings. And when we finally get meetings, right? You do a pitch presentation. 
okay, for example, uh, Ayala Land, one of the biggest developers, the biggest developer in the Philippines, we tell them, oh, we have solution to all your problem. We, we, we have a payment system, you connect to international banks, et cetera, et cetera. And then they would say, that's great. You know, our, our agent definitely needs this, right? Something we need. Question is, the next question came from their finance department and their legal team. How long have you guys been around? Who else is using this? And we, for us to tell them, oh, we're kind of hoping that you'll be our first client. We, we launched six months ago. <laughs> we're hoping that you'll be our first client, right? And Ayala Land collects around, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, probably $300 million a year in payments from abroad. Why would they trust us with that money? Mm. A, a company with, with four people in it, in a small room, right? And uh, we had the tech, we had the license, we had a little bit of money, but we didn't have the history. We didn't have like PayPal does or Western Union does, you know, like we, we didn't have, so why would they trust us? So it's, it's more like, it's, it, the toughest thing is to close the first client. So we have to find another client and we got rejection after rejection. Then we got, the, if we found some, some a few that accepted us to try us out, uh, like Century and Active Group. And, and once we built some history there, three years later, we came back to Ayala Land. We already had the 12, 15 developer clients. And we pitched to them, and eventually we closed them also. Oh, well, we need to build that. We need to build that history. Yeah. Mm. And we I just closed them last year. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. So then, but is you you've kind of landed into as you said, your first client was the developers. Then that builds on top of that, right? In terms of a string of other developers who then trust you with that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. After we closed Ayala, actually closed twelve more developers last year. So they were all waiting and then they, they heard that we closed the and they'll start signing up. <laughs> so what is it that you solve for them? What is it that what sorry? What is it that you solve for them? That you know they've had oh. this forever. Well, they were having difficulty uh, they were having difficulty collecting payments from abroad. That's a big challenge. Uh, a lot of their customers are using Western Union, sending it to a relative. And that relative sometimes takes the money instead of remitting it. So their, their, their default rate and, and, and their delinquency rate is pretty high. Mm. So that's, that's something that we solve for them. So that's and not at the fault of the buyer, in fact. It's sometimes the... No, yes. Mm. Yes, the channel is, is inefficient. It's not direct. Mm. It has to find someone else. Um, another thing is a sales problem. You know? <laughs> they don't have to... If they sell a property to someone overseas, and that Filipino overseas or a foreigner has a bank account in America, right? But they don't have a bank account in the Philippines, which is likely the case, mm. right? They no longer have an active. And then you tell them, can you open the bank account in the Philippines and issue us post-dated checks? Because that's how they used to do it. And then the person just, it's too much problem for me. It's, it's going to take three months, right? Too much hassle to, I have to go back home to the Philippines or I have to get a power of attorney, find, find a co-signer in the Philippines, et cetera. It's too much hassle. They just walk away. And, you know, I'll, I'll come back. I'll be talking to my wife. And then they never come back, right? So they're losing a lot of sale just because of that, right? So what we provide them is the ability to collect payments directly from the, from the client's account abroad. So they're going to ask them, oh, you have a Bank of America. You have a Chase. You have PayPal. You have Venmo. You have this. You have, you have Alipay. You have WeChat. We can connect you with QuickWire. That's it. Done. They don't have to open a bank account in the Philippines anymore. All they have to do is use their foreign account to make their payment by enrolling to us. That's what we provide. Uh, so uh, it's actually helped them in sales also a lot. 
So on that, how do you then build the relationship with the, um, the entities on the other side for the collection? Well, <laughs> well the, we, we collect payments from our clients' customers. So it is them that market us. We don't really spend money on marketing. We just spend resources on sales. We close a sale, we get a developer, the developer educates their customers. Now we have a payment system live called QuickWire. Just, just come in and, you know. But how does, how does QuickWire then link up with the, the foreign banks and the foreign accounts? Oh, we have, we have foreign licenses. We, have, we, we did that prior to launching. We, we, uh, we, we, we went bank to bank in, in the U.S. and New York, right? We got, we got three foreign banks in the U.S., uh, one in New York, uh, two in California. So that's how we started that. So obviously from the beginning, you had to set that structure up, right? Yes, um, yes. How was, how was that experience? That was the toughest one because before you can even sell a working product, you need to have a working product, right? So that one, partnering with banks, getting the licenses. The licensing was important because the banks will not partner with you without a license. Hmm. You need a license first. So once we get the licenses, we look for banks to partner. Initially, the banks also gave us restrictions on how much we can process because we're small. Uh, so it, it, that's how it works generally. And then they, they gradually give you, uh, you know, they gradually give you more uh, capacity. Yeah. So six years down the road. Now what? Well, we're no, we're we're expanding to Thailand. Uh, it's supposed to be middle. It's supposed to be this this month, but uh, COVID happened. So we're we're, we're moving it. Uh, you know, next quarter. So probably fourth quarter, we're expanding in Thailand. And uh, we already we already captured the biggest developers in the Philippines. We have three more of the big ones we need to get, and we pretty much dominate the whole market now. And the company has been was profitable last year for the first time, right? Mm. This 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 year we project around four million dollars in revenue and uh, around eighty million dollars to in transactions for this year. We did thirty one million dollars last year and almost two million dollars in revenue. So mm. yeah, we're growing. Um, we were supposed to forecast two hundred million dollars in transactions this year, but COVID happened. So <laughs> you know. We have to reduce our forecast. Yeah. yeah. 70 million, 80 million. Yeah. Like so if it's, and this is still purely from the developers as your, as your main customers in, in. Yes, yes, yes. Um, mostly, yeah. Largely, yes. Mm. But so we, can, we can expand to other verticals too eventually. Mm. Right. The, the, the three other that you were talking about just now. Yeah. Mm. But how far I think. Good, good, good. Sorry. No, I was just saying that, but I think there is still, I assume there is still a lot of, of, of uh, potential still just within the, the developers, you know, putting COVID aside, um, there is still a lot of potential just in that vertical for now. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Actually, we, 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 uh, the company is now involved to what we call acquire. Maybe I can share it here, right? Uh, can I share a screen? Sure. I think you, um, you should be able to. Yeah, you should be able to, uh, you should uh, uh, authorize it, me. Are you able to? Yeah, one second. Let me see. Yeah, so not authorized. <laughs> Let me see, how do I authorize you to do that? If I make you the host,
Okay. Currently in the office right now. <laughs> so you guys are still. So you, how's the how's the COVID situation? Oh, well, you can see the office is pretty much empty right now. Everybody's working from home. I see, there's only one person. It's like a couple more over there in the finance room. But generally, uh, it's pretty empty. Nobody's here. <laughs> yeah. But generally, is, is, the, is the numbers going up, going down in terms of infections? Oh, yeah. We have, uh, we see transactions growing uh, over the last, uh, the last uh, few months. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was down in March, but it was back up again. In, uh, in uh, it was back up again in uh, May. We were up thirty percent, and then June we were up twelve percent, and then July I think we're going to be up fifteen percent. So it's it's growing again. It's amazing. We never we actually hired more people. We we didn't we didn't fire anybody. We didn't lay off anyone. Yeah. Excellent. I thought we will, but we didn't have to. Yeah. That's good. Mm, things picked up again pretty fast, huh? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we were, we were surprised too. But because um, most of our transactions are coming from previous sales, previous real estate transactions, so it's not part of new, it's not really new sales. So plus in the U.S., a lot of the Western unions were closed physically, the physical stores. Mm -hmm. So um, many of them actually moved to us using us. Yeah, so that's uh, an advantage. Yeah. So I'm curious about the uh, the buyers, right? So obviously it's not it's it's probably quite unique that in the Philippines there are so many buyers coming from from outside Help share yeah. the, the, the industry a little bit well it's 75 percent filipinos overseas and then 25 percent foreign buyers but in thailand is another story it's mostly 90 percent foreign buyers hmm. who wants to cross border or have, a, have a holiday home in, in thailand right or something like that yes in that or an investment or a holiday yeah a lot of developers are selling overseas and that's actually a big thing yeah so for the Philippines, then the market really is to market to um, the, the overseas Filipinos. Yes, sure. actually, Philippines and Vietnam has a similar uh, similar situation in terms of like the market. So yeah. Philippines and Vietnam are similar. Thailand is different. Right. Wow. And as I was saying that, okay, so potentially the, there is still a lot of market there, and hopefully when COVID lifts. Um, then the, the developers themselves will start picking up their sales again. That's right. Yeah, actually, they, they start picking up again. They, they learn how to start selling online. Mm. That's the beauty about it. That's, 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 that's amazing for me, right? That people would buy. I'm, I'm assuming not everybody will be able to fly back to the Philippines, look at the property. and In fact, there's some, there's no property to look at yet, right? There's a prospective. Yeah, it, yeah it's still pre-selling, yeah. So they have a showrooms. They have samples, right? Mm. So that, 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 that's, that's why online selling works. Because the property is not even available yet. <laughs> so, for a lot of these buyers from from outside, do they do they eventually come back to it, or yeah. is it really just an investment? Uh, they do come back when they need to get a loan from a bank. Because when they're paying the developer the first three years while the building is under construction, when their unit is ready for turnover, which means the building is done, right? They're not fully paid yet, right? Mm -hmm but they have to get a loan from a bank so the bank will pay the developer for the rest of the unit. And then they will start paying the bank. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them come home to get a bank loan. So we're launching acquired loans wherein the Filipino living overseas doesn't have to come back here anymore to get a bank loan. They can apply for a bank loan while they're still living overseas. So our acquired platform, will, they can submit one application and they can get a pre-approval with 10 different banks in the Philippines. So mm -hmm. that's something we're launching this quarter. Pretty exciting. Sweet. So what about this expansion to Thailand that you're talking about? 
Well, it's, it's similar. We're, part, we're doing it through a joint partnership. We're not expanding overseas on our own. We're, it's all, all going to be joint venture partnership. So it will be less costly for us and go fast to market because these are really licensed entities, mm -hmm. right? So rather, because we need a license in Thailand to disperse funds. So uh, rather than doing everything on our own, it's going to take a while and it's going to cost money. Why not just partner and share revenue? That's all we're going to do. So why we're Thailand is the next country? Well, because Thailand has a big demand for cross-border payments for real estate. 90% uh, of their cross-border are coming from foreign buyers, mm. right? So it's a, it's a promising market. And we, we met with several potential partners there already uh, in Thailand. Yeah. So uh, one, one big conglomerate, uh, a big fintech, big fintech company and a big prop tech company that we're going to be working with. So I when can't reveal who they are yet. So when's that happening? <laughs> Uh, well, it's supposed to be happening now, but mm. a lot of things got delayed. So later this year, mm. yeah, later this year or early next year, if if, uh, if it will take if it will take longer. Mm. So from a from a different vertical standpoint, so that really is expanding your you know the, the developer uh, space, right? So that's the, right. And and for the other verticals, what are you guys looking at? Well, right now we have no intention of getting into other verticals. Just focus on real estate and then expanding overseas from there. Mm. That's the plan for the next two to three years. Please. Right. The other verticals, uh, no, there's no immediate plan right now. Maybe I'll have the business guys research and explore it, but uh, for now, no, not yet. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Because we're first to market. Uh, if we capture the top 10 developers for every market, we, it's pretty much hard to compete with us, mm. right? So it's... Uh, being first to market is critical for a kind of business. Yeah, and it's it's curious that nobody's doing it yet. Oh, th that's why every payments company tried to try to capture everybody. E-commerce, that's like the hot thing right now. So while everybody's trying to do e-commerce, we're just doing this. It's, plus it's boring. It's not like, you know, a consumer app. It's not an app. It's not a cool thing on your cell phone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically Oracle and SAP and, and all that. Yeah, it's boring. So it's, it's not, not cool, not techy enough. It's not hipster enough. <laughs> yeah, but you're profitable after five years, right? After six years, that's, that's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, we're profitable after five years. That's right. <laughs> 2019 was the first year we became profitable. Awesome. So in terms of the team itself, are you, are you guys uh, funded by anybody? Or you know, how, how, how far how has it grown? So you had your well, we're funded. We got some. We got some VCs, and uh, I just won't reveal how much funding we have uh, right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, we get we're VC funded, and uh, we uh, the team is composed of seven different groups. We have business development as as the spearhead. So it, it explores markets, it explores verticals, it explores like compliance regulation, and then after the the business development team, we have the the, the product and the tech team. So they design products. Uh, that would be useful for that, you know, whatever the business development team came up with. And then, and then marketing and sales support that to sell the product. And then all of that is supported by finance and operations. So that's how we pretty much, uh, business development is the tip of the spear, right? So. so you touched on the technology there. So it sounds like it is quite traditional still in terms of the technology that's driving the business. Yeah, yeah. Pretty hardcore uh, back-end SAP, Oracle kind of stuff. Mm. that we do integrations with right it's like a bank it's like a bank website like we're building for all these developers right so their clients can check their balances how much they still owe because they don't have anything like that right so mm. we're giving it to them right yeah so that's our specialization like 
you know, unlike most payments companies, they're built to scale. They have an API, and then, you know, here we have an API. So hire your own developers to integrate that. You know, for yeah. us, it's, it's like we do everything for them. So these are big clients. So it does, I don't mind doing a lot of work for it, one client because one client can bring you thousands of transactions per month on a recurring basis. Regular yeah, recurring yeah. basis. Yeah. The recurring part is the, is the key, right? Because it's not just that one yeah. time he gets it. It's he has to pay for that property, right? Yeah. If I have an e-commerce site, I don't know when this guy, this guy who made a purchase on my website, I don't know when, when he's going to purchase again, mm. right? But if you're paying a mortgage, you, you can rest assured that this guy is going to pay back again next month. So once we convert someone, we kept you know, they're they're with us for many years. <laughs> so, so as a customer, do they see Quickwire or do they see the developer? Ah, uh, developer. And we're a white label. Pretty much white label. Right, right. Nobody knows. That's why we don't spend money on marketing because nobody knows us. We don't need to. Well, you market <laughs> to your developers, right? Yeah. That's all yeah, you Yeah, we, we, do, we do sales. Yeah. And it's cheaper to do enterprise sales than to do, uh, you know, marketing and spend, you know, how many thousands on Facebook and Google, right? Because a lot of these uh, new startups right now, these consumer consumer apps, they're raising millions in funding, like Honestly and this, for every million dollars that they generate in revenue, they spend half a million or six hundred thousand dollars mm. in marketing effort, right? Mm. So it's always losing money for all of these guys, and it's a big problem. And a lot of them are, you know, there's a Vietnamese one that just collapsed recently. Honestly, already you know, also collapsed, right? Mm. So it's 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 something that's very common uh, right now because it's a war of attrition. They just burn They're just burning money, mm. <laughs> right? It's a, it's it's a competition of funding, 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 funding. Yeah. The customer right? acquisition cost is just is nuts, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like we already matched the revenue of one big unicorn right now. There's some, like the, we have the same revenue, right? Uh, I'm not gonna mention which unicorn this is, but they raised 150 million dollars, right? And they were only able to match our revenue for a company that raised like you know a lot less than that, right? Yeah, <laughs> and you've got real money coming in. Yeah. We're, <laughs> We're, we have, we have, we're making money, yeah. Yeah. So what about the team itself? So our path, our path is, I would say, more like a slow but solid growth mm. rather than growth fueled by funding. Oh, the next valuation is up, you know. Uh, yeah, the no. new economy. Yeah, slow but solid growth. And I, I, we already outlasted a lot of the well-funded, even more well-funded companies out there in the Philippines and abroad. We already outlasted many of them, mm. right? They, 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 they just blew up and collapsed. You know, for yeah. us, no, it, it, we don't have a lot of the big overhead. We don't need, you don't even need that many people to run this business. There's 30, there's 36 of us right now, but we can run this business with eight people. If we have to, we can have to really shrink down. We can run it with eight people uh, because everything is automated. The only reason we have more people is because we're, tr we're growing the business. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, we spend 80% of our time trying to grow. Than, than just to maintain the business. Because a lot of, it's, it's not an operations heavy business. A lot of businesses, they spend a lot of money and manpower to maintain the operations, to keep the business functioning mm -hmm. while spending 20% on growth. But most of our efforts are uh, spending on growth, uh, activities of sales, marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not really, uh, uh, it's, not a, it's not an operations heavy business. You don't really get tired that much. <laughs> we take all the holidays. We take all, all the weekends. That's what everybody's working from home. That's why people stay here. They love to work here. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because as soon as you lock in a developer, right, you build that website for them. And as they're selling their products, that's, as far as you're concerned, you just... Yeah, the transactions just flow through. We just monitor transactions. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Sweet, sweet. 
Um, so I was going to ask you something that I kind of, kind of, yeah, I was just talking about a team, but you touched on that. So there's, there's only about 30 of you and, you know, the, the, the focus really is on, on expanding the business and getting new yeah. partners. Mm -hmm. we, we grow around a natural rate of 6% 6, 6 per month uh, without, without spending money on growth, without spending money on marketing. Uh, but we believe that after funding, uh, we get funded uh, a Series A or a Series B, probably able to grow the company 20 to 25% per month. In promotional campaign, so that's a, that could easily be achieved. Yeah, wow. And we're close to getting that the funding soon, uh, the bigger funding. So yeah. So it's it's just funny when you said that it's operationally light, that it reminds me of your story when you were in college, right? You wanted to do something that sits at the side, and just earns you the money, whilst you can study, right? So now you've yeah. almost something similar, right? You here you are. You can focus on other things whilst the business that you build. Yeah, it kind of runs itself. That's true. You know, sometimes I'm out of the country for a few weeks and then uh, my team runs the business, you know, like, <laughs> well, the way my, my, the, the, the team leaders that we built, uh, they're the ones pretty much running well, every department. So they have their own goals, top level, but they decide how to get, get that. So I would have my own, I would discuss a goal with the team. This is our targets. And then they will have their recommendation. And what we decide on a course of action, you leave them alone, right? Stay out of the way. Unless if they need help or you know something critical, but in most cases, in most of most of the time, I'm like not even involved in the day to day or even yeah. But I do know what's going on. Before I was, I, I took it to a point where being an anti uh, micromanagement guy, I was really not even involved at all, not even knowing what they're doing. So that was kind of an extreme. That was a bad thing. So it was, it, it was viewed by some as lacking leadership. Mm. So I kind of went the other way too much, and now I'm like trying to get into the middle back again. And they want they want to feel my presence. I'm there all the time, and uh, you know, so I'm involved. Also, I know what's going on. I know what they're doing. So I need to get educated all the time, and I can make my recommendations as long as I don't dictate what to do. I I will just say what I know, and they make I make them decide. Uh, basically, allowing them to make mistakes, allowing them to make decisions. That's that's pretty much the idea behind it. Empowering them. That's what they want, right? So. And it's also less stress for me. <laughs> when things about, are going good, so it's, it's good. Yeah, it's about trust. You, you, you trust people that they can make the right decision. I mean, like, I mean, what's the likelihood that they're going to make the wrong decision? It's probably just as likely as I'm going to make the wrong decision, right? And then, if the, for example, marketing. Marketing does marketing all the time. It's what they do. They specialize on it. What, how can I make a better decision than the people already involved on the field, right? Well, how can I make a better decision? than someone who's thinking about it every day, <laughs> right? That's, that's their job every day. So I, I would ask questions. I would in, uh, inquire, you know, make suggestions. But at the end of the day, they make decisions. Even hiring, they make most of the hiring decisions now for the department. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, it's almost been an hour. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Ray then. What is Ray's plans? Oh. Well, I plan to become a blacksmith one day, probably in a year or two when I retire. Yeah, okay, that's I want to make uh, swords and, you know, like I want to play with fire and metal and steel and forge things using. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I want to do that. That's unexpected. Where did that come from? Huh? Oh, I always wanted to do it. I, I tried it before. So, you know, it's not like, you know, to me, okay. Everybody says you want to be passionate. You have to be passionate about your business. Who gets passionate about credit card processing? <laughs> Nobody gets passionate. About it. So 
yeah, you know, like you have to work hard. You have to have, if you, if you lack passion, have discipline, right? So uh, <laughs> we keep going, right? So, and it's, it's, you know, like there's more to life than just work, right? So hmm. I probably like enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Um, probably in a couple of years, you know, uh, maybe even get a horse, you know, <laughs> uh, get a Ooh. horse, uh, maybe try pottery. I want to just like, uh, maybe have a, a winery. I don't know. What am I going to do? Something, something along that line where I can, I want to build, create things, you know, like. Mm. With, yeah. Sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to create things every day. Maybe even carpentry. I know how to do carpentry. I know electrical. I know. Back in the U.S., I learned a lot of things. Uh, you know, I can even change the, I can even, I can change the spark plugs of cars, right? Spark plugs and change the oil and electrical. I learned all that in the U.S. I learned how to do carpentry work, electrical, welding. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I guess it's better start thinking about your succession planning then. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we're thinking about it all the time, of course, yeah. But I'm still enjoying the work here, so it's really not... Probably if I don't enjoy the work, the daily worker anymore, probably I'll become a, a blacksmith. Or else I'll try to become a blacksmith on weekends when I go home uh, for the weekend. Here, I'll start making swords <laughs> and sell it. Sell it to the market, right? right? Yeah, looking forward I'll to it. I'll probably sell replicas of, you know, the famous swords on Game of Thrones, a copy, you know, what they do there. And then, yeah. Or the throne itself. Maybe. <laughs> That's, that's then I can use that as my office chair. <laughs> hey, you know, we have meetings, right? And you have people coming in from banks and then they see you sitting there. <laughs> Hopefully the same number of people walk out of the meeting. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay, Ray, let me let you go. Thank, Thanks thank for having me. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of lessons to, to learn from, you know, from your journey. Um, and, and all the best for, you know, as you grow to Thailand and hopefully, you know, cycle back to, to Malaysia sometime. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Probably hopefully next year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, let's catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's catch or up. When you go, when you, when you come to the Philippines soon. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When, when, when we can travel again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ray. All right. Thank you for all the help. Thank you. Really appreciate hey, it. No problem, man. Always a pleasure. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one. You too.